Hello, and welcome back to the Electric Punch Podcast. As always, I am your host, Logan Grigsby, and we are going to have an absolutely electrifying show for you tonight. For the usual announcements, the Electric Punch Podcast stands with people of all cultural, ethnic, religious, racial, and sexual backgrounds. We believe in creating a safe and positive environment for anyone and everyone who wants to participate in our festivities. So remember, look out for each other. If you see something, save something. Drink more water. Be kind and love love each other. And with that, I have the absolute pleasure to welcome tonight's guest, owner of the hottest nightclub in, t- in town, Stuart Solomon. Hey, how are you doing? Pretty good. So my first question would have to be, if the number two pencil is the most popular, why is it still considered number two? <laughs> well, it would be actually because number one, mm-hmm. the lead is too hard. Okay. So okay. there you go. Number two is actually a softer lead, but there okay. is such a thing as number one. Now, uh, I don't it's know. A, it's a carpenter pencil, right? That's correct. But okay. I don't know why uh, number two. Is, you think they would switch switch that around? For real. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about your background. Are you a Kansas City native, or have you kind of moved here over time? I am. I'm a Kansas City native. Uh, went to KU. Uh, actually, always lived here. Um, for a very long time. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. So, Kansas City is home to you. It is. Oh, okay. For better or worse. For I, better I, sometimes worse. I wish I was in better weather, but yeah, hey, oh, other absolutely, than that, absolutely. I, I like it other than that. So, okay, let's start about uh, at uh, the beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of your background in music? Uh, the beginning would probably... Uh, Start if, if we're talking about the beginning of uh, my involvement uh, mm-hmm. with the music scene, it would be back in 1993. So 1993. we're going okay. 29 years ago. Um, but bef- it, it really truly started before that. So mm-hmm. um, I'm an engineer by trade, uh, electrical, and oh, yeah. um, I had uh, my own business, and this is back right after I got done with school, and uh, I was. In, I was doing a lot of sound and light uh, systems as kind of an offshoot of a business that mm-hmm. I owned. Uh, I had an electronics business, and one of the things that I started doing was uh, sound and lighting, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really cool, man. I was really into that, especially sound. I actually worked for a company called Martin Logan way back in the day that was a speaker manufacturer. Okay. And uh, believe it or not, if we actually go back further... Uh, and this is something that not many people know. I was actually a DJ in high school. Okay. Well, okay. Awesome. What, so, what was your name? So I, back then we didn't have names. Okay. You know what I'm saying? There yeah. was no DJ name. Uh, back then we were doing things like uh, high school uh, proms and mm-hmm. you know what I'm stuff saying? like oh, that. But we were big in bar mitzvahs. I'm Jewish, so <laughs> man, I had that bar mitzvah circuit locked down. You know. So here I was, 17, 18 years old. Man, I made my own speakers and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Used to use the techniques, uh, SLRs, and oh, that's uh, badass. You know, we uh, so yeah, we um, uh, DJed myself mm-hmm. and my partner Chuck, and um, we did a bunch of that. So uh, I can't say I was a great DJ. I'm not going to lie, I sucked. But, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I gave it my best hey, shot. Hey, the humbility, I love uh, it. So I was always into music, man, mm-hmm. and, and especially electronic. Okay. Uh, so. Yeah, that is kind of my next question is what what kind of music did you gr- kind of grow up grow well, up with and when were you kind of introduced to electronic music? Growing up it was certainly, you know, classic rock and stuff like that because I'm old as fuck and uh, so that's what was in back, mm-hmm. you know, when I was in high school. So there's always going to be a uh, 
special place in my heart absolutely for, you know things like super tramp or pink floyd or any of that other uh cool hair stuff. metal absolutely. Hair rock. yeah absolutely um, but what happened was uh in kansas city back in the early 90s mm-hmm. um country music was huge man mm-hmm. I mean, fucking country music was big and everyone loved it and i fucking hated country music <laughs> same <laughs> so, uh even though i have owned a country nightclub i owned a place called beaumont club for 10 years and uh, mm-hmm. that was a country bar uh and a and a venue both a bar and a venue but we'll get about get to that later but anyway uh mm-hmm. so about 1992 or so I had this idea. I'm like, man, I want to open up a techno nightclub. Oh, hell yeah. Because I had gone to other places. I used to go to Chicago, and I was Mm -hmm. really into the fucking Chicago house scene, man. That was big for me. And uh, I was like, I want to open a fucking techno nightclub. And that was right when techno was starting to take off. Mm -hmm. Uh, So no one even knew what it was here, but it was huge on the coasts. And I'd gone out there and gone to some of these places, and I go, "Holy fuck, this is my dream, man!" Absolutely. You have lights. You have yes, in like you know, LA, LA, Miami, yeah, places it, like it that. It was the shit. And uh, so I came up. Uh, I, I had this buddy of mine that owned a little bar in Shawnee, and uh, mm-hmm. my buddy. Uh, I, I went to him. I'm like, "Man, we need to open ourselves up a techno nightclub." Okay. And uh, my buddy was like. What the fuck is that? <laughs> what even is that? <laughs> and I'm like, man, it's just really cool music. And I played some for him. And he goes, man, he goes, that shit's nasty. <laughs> and I'm like, no, bro, this shit's great. And uh, so anyway, um, we ended up going to his uncle who had some money. Mm-hmm. And we probably this was a f- fundamental changing point in my life. Uh we're sitting at a Hardee's. Like, we meet his <laughs> uncle at Hardee's. So here I am at fucking Hardee's with uh, these couple of pieces of paper that I mm. put a business plan together. Like, it's like a two-page yeah. two page business plan. You know, because I have no... I have zero knowledge of what the fuck zero I'm talking experience, about. Zero experience, just throwing this, throwing this right. all together. Never owned a bar, never worked in a bar. The closest thing I had mm-hmm. come to anything was installing sound yeah. and lighting. You know, I installed some systems, and that was just kind of a side project of the business I had at the time. Well, and, and you know, I'm like 20 at that time, I think I'm 26 years old. And, uh, the, uh, I tell the uncle my line of shit and the guy looks at me right? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, well, son, that sounds like a great plan. And then I'm just in shock. Yeah. I don't know what to do because <laughs> And I basically asked this guy for half a million dollars, and he said yes. Damn. Right? So that shit would never happen to anyone. <laughs> and uh, so needless to say, that was the beginning of an adventure. Oh, and hell yeah. we opened a place up, and it, was, it used to be a, a country music venue called Guitars and Cadillacs. Mm-hmm. And we bought that from the people that used to own it. And we... Uh, converted that into a place called fallout in december of 1993 december 1993 and fallout was a techno music bar okay so, so it, it was not always aura it started out as fallout no this is a completely completely separate, different yeah, completely different completely place. different place okay it, was, it actually was at the location that edkc 
Oh, okay. So there's a little history of that location. EDKC is was in an empty parking lot. Mm-hmm. That empty parking lot used to house a big fucking building. Mm-hmm. And that was where my old club was that I had for 10 years. Oh, yeah. And it was a massive venue. It had actually, we ran two acts at once. So we would always run one DJ in the main room, mm-hmm. one DJ in the side room. We had five separate rooms. Um, it was a big place. It held about 1,500 people. Okay. Uh, so I owned that from 1993 to 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it went from Fallout to Coliseum to Atlantis to EXO. And that was the series of concepts we took through that building. Okay, and each one kind of had a different theme, I'm guessing. Right. I'm assuming uh, Atlantis kind of underwater theme. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we learned Early, and, and I learned some valuable lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say that luck got me my start in the club business. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole lot of people that get lucky. Absolutely. But then knowing what the hell I was doing and is what kept me kept in for going. 20, 29 years. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, if I could say that if I had one reason I think I've survived in this business, I'll give it two reasons. Mm-hmm. Reason number one, I don't do a bunch of drugs. Yeah, that's a big help. I don't help. get all that fucked up. a good help. When I'm at work, anyone that knows me knows. When I'm at the club, I'm at the club and I'm working. Professional, right. on point, right. making sure everybody's safe, everything's yep. going right. Yep, you'll never, There's that's one thing. I, I know so many club owners that... Uh, blow has gotten them bad mm-hmm. or all the other you know all the other variety Absolutely. of substances uh get them distracted and yep. they want to be more a part of the crowd enjoying the experience yeah. than they do managing the experience right. so it, you, you have to be a host of a party not part of the party. absolutely and, and so that was one thing and then the other thing that has made me survive is the ability to change, mm-hmm. knowing when what you're doing is no longer working. Absolutely. So you always have to have, you have to know when to change. If one particular music style, it can be working right now. And that's five even, months from but now, five months five from now, it's not. Now. Right. You know, Absolutely. And, and we're seeing more of that now mm-hmm. in today's scene. The scene today, well, we'll get to this later. Absolutely. The scene today is fucked. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing a lot more of that now than ever before. But uh, as an example, Fallout lasted all of nine months, man. Oh, man. We came in with a techno music format that mm-hmm. I loved. Mm-hmm. But it, it was, I'm it, guessing, just too early for everybody else. It was kind of like what dubstep is now that mm-hmm. was techno back then. Well, it was great, but then people couldn't stay in the room because they couldn't understand the music. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So eight months in, I looked at my partner. I said, bro, we got to go. Yeah. I mean, we got to fucking do something we gotta else. We got to evolve. Right. We got to figure out. Right. So then we went to a more open format that was kind of more at that time of a Absolutely. format. But anyway, okay. So there's the start. Okay. Okay. So um, Aura, where does kind of, what was kind of the inspiration for that name? The inspiration for the name or the inspiration for why for I decided name, to do the concept. The so not the concept, because that's very different. Yes, the name itself. <laughs> the name itself. The name itself was... I took three friends of mine, mm-hmm. and we went down to Westport. Mm-hmm. 
and we had a series of about 20 nightclub names mm-hmm. picked out for that concept that we were going to do. Okay. And we interviewed, if we saw a pretty girl, mm-hmm. we walked up to her and interviewed her. Master, master. Said, okay, hey, yeah, I got your opinion. You know, now I know today that's not politically correct. Mm-hmm. Today we would have to be inclusive and ask every single person yeah. in the world. But back then, that was 11 years ago. Absolutely. We just walked up to pretty girls and said, hey, here's a list of names. Mm-hmm. What do you like? What, what do you like? And, and just went with what you thought were the best? Dude, out of that 20 names, they all picked the ones that, the one mm-hmm. that got the most likes, was so to speak, was Or. So we said, well. What were some of the, some of the runner-ups? Dude, I don't remember. It was so long <laughs> so ago. So long ago. I wish I remembered. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it's always nice to know what could have been or almost. I, I know. Uh, I'm pretty sure Amber Snow's played at your club before. I know sure. they were almost cookies and cream. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I don't remember, man. Yeah, huh? I don't remember. Okay, so tell me about the initial in- inspiration for the concept of okay. Aura. Tell me about that. Sure. So, owned a lot of different types of nightclubs. Over, mm-hmm. over the career of 29 years. I've owned clubs here, Des Moines, Quad Cities, Omaha. Uh, started to do something in Chicago and realized I was way over my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, when Power & Light first opened, mm-hmm. I had a... That was when... I had Beaumont Club and Westport Beach Club in Westport. And I looked at, I had sold in, in 90, in 2003, I had sold my electronic music club or mm-hmm. what, what, you know, what you would consider back then, mm-hmm. you know, an electronic music club. Well, that was my that was my whole dream, man. I mean, for me, my joy is operating a, that a, type of that music. type of music. Right. Well, I went into doing. You know, we were Beaumont was a country music. Mm-hmm. As you said, you're not you're not a fan of the no. country, and it was also a concert venue, but mm-hmm. not an electronic music concert venue. More, more of rock, a, and roll. rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm not going to lie. I I was somewhat of an absentee owner mm-hmm. to that concept. I didn't enjoy it that much. I had another person running it. Did kind of the finances and everything. Yeah, but, I was, you know, yeah. I was more of that absentee club owner, which is not my style yeah, at all. Absolutely. Um, I had just bought what was Grand Emporium. I had bought what was Grand Emporium at the time, which is the location that Or is at mm-hmm. now. And... During that period, we were uh, we had an electronic music night um, with Steve Thorell and Bill Pyle back in the day, and we did it one night a week on Saturday nights. Okay, and, and that was a grand important. And my whole fucking existence lived for that for night. that night. Right. Well, uh, I went through a period where then. Sorry, it takes me a second. To oh, no, back take your time. Here. Absolutely, so, take your time. We went when Power and Light opened up. Mm-hmm. I realized Westport, I'm like, dude, we're fucked. Yeah. I mean, we are so fucked in Westport. At that time, I owned a place called Karma mm-hmm. in Westport, which is the old Johnny Dares, which is now Bridgers. Mm-hmm. And I also had just bought Grand Emporium. I'm sorry, this is after I'd owned Grand Emporium for a couple of years. Okay. I'd owned it for a couple of years. 
I had a, a, a friend of mine come to me, and th- this was a defining moment. Mm-hmm. This is outside the realm of electronic music and the scope of this interview, but it was a defining moment in my life. I mm-hmm. had a friend of mine come to me and said, you need to do a hip-hop club. Mm-hmm. And I said, hell no. <laughs> Man, I'm not going to do a hip-hop club. That's scary as shit. Yeah. Well, his name was Marquis Simmons, and he uh, was a black guy, smart man, and still a friend of mine today. We just talked yesterday, and he's like, dude, it can be done right. Mm-hmm. And, and it like, absolutely can be. And I'm like, no, fuck that. Well, <laughs> Marquis convinced me mm-hmm. to do a hip-hop club, and we did a place called Zen, which is in the location that Aura is in now. Is it now? Okay. And we did a hip-hop club. And I learned probably, I learned more about life during that period (laughs) of time than I probably ever have in the rest of my life. It was a, it was an experience. Absolutely. We made it and we did it and we ran it for about five years Mm -hmm. and it was, it, it taught me so much. Um, again, taught me a lot of things beyond the scope of this interview, but it was a very big learning experience and it taught me how to deal with people from all different cultures. All different walks of life. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, I then opened another hip hop club Mm -hmm. and I, and then I ran hip hop clubs for a while, Okay, but there was a problem. I, that whole time, I made a shit ton of money because mm-hmm. hip-hop clubs do very well financially. Absolutely. But I craved getting back into what I loved. The EDM. Yes. Absolutely. I, especially because, like, in hip-hop music, the lighting and the production is not a big deal. Yeah. They, they, that's it not as big there, a deal. It can be there, lasers can be cool, but let's... It's yeah. not... In, in the hip-hop scene, it's not as big a deal as it is in Absolutely. the EDM scene. And I craved getting back into... You're a sound and light guy. At heart, right. you love the sound and lights. Right. So I literally... And this is... I remember this post. I put this post on Facebook. I, I made this decision to take the risk and turn uh, Zen, which was the mm-hmm. hip-hop club. It ran for a long time, and... I just made this decision. I want to try one last time. One last time. Doing okay. an EDM club. Because that was the love of that my career. That was the passion. That was right. what you actually set out to do. That was the passion. Back in 93. Yeah. Absolutely. So I said, I'm going to try this. And I put this post up on Facebook. And I said, I don't know if this is going to last Three days, three months, or three three years. years. (laughs) But I'm going to try an EDM club again. And it's going to be called Aura. And I put that post up, and I still remember that post. And that was, what, 11 years ago? (laughs) (laughs) So that's what happened. I just said, I want to try it one more time. All right, so now we're shooting for 30 years. You skipped three, now we're shooting for 30 years. We're shooting for (laughs) as long as I can make it last. Absolutely. I mean, obviously there's... Uh, you know, I mean, there's a point where I will retire from this. Mm -hmm. But if before then, because it's been a long ride, man, 29 years, a long time. But if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out doing what I love doing. And 
honestly, EDM is what I love. Love it. Love it. Absolutely. There's something something special about it. Not all genres do I mm. love, but that's, but that's I'm sure going to come. <laughs> but I do love EDM. Mm. And for me, the love is in the production. Mm -hmm. I mean, I... I love creating that experience. Um, and it's the lighting, it's the sound, it's the fucking energy in the mm -hmm. room, man. Um, and also part of it is the process. I mean, people that know me laugh because I, I spend my life up in my workshop above, above the mm -hmm. club building stuff and working on lights. And, you know, we just redid the sound system. Yes. Uh, we just actually put in the final component. When I literally from here driving to mm -hmm. the club to wrap up we we had one more sub mm -hmm. that uh we were putting in that i had delayed because i was just busy with shit and mm -hmm. we were adding that final not that we need it we need another sub like i need a hole in my head but, <laughs> but uh, we're adding that one in tonight and uh it's on the far end of the dance floor just to give a little extra mm. kick you in the balls <laughs> to the people that are on that side because you can really feel on the front side but we want you to feel on the back side so uh, so there's a lot of joy in that. Man. Oh, completely. So being such a long-standing pillar in the community, how have you seen the music and more importantly, kind of the atmosphere change over the years? How does a, a night at the club look like today compared to a night at the club look, looking 20 years ago? Certainly the current generation there's there's certainly some generational gaps absolutely between absolutely. what i what i uh knew growing up absolutely i mean you were yeah. born in time pre-facebook pre-myspace and now kids are born with those in their hands today exactly it's like something that's just funny as shit to me and i i see this uh dude i saw it this last saturday night there's these five chicks and there are five girls. So mm -hmm. is that, can I say chicks? Yeah, yeah. Is that allowed these days? Yeah, I think so. There's these five girls, right? And they are sitting in a row and they're beautiful women. Mm -hmm. Shit you not. Every one of them is on their phone. They're in a goddamn nightclub, right? What else is there going to be? Dude, and they're all like buried phone. in their phones. And I'm fucking laughing. I'm like, dude, we didn't even, when I was, you know, when I was 24 mm -hmm. years old, fuck, we didn't. A goddamn cell phone was as big as a thermos. You know, you didn't bring that into the club. So that's a big difference. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's <laughs> certainly people are much more sensitive these days. Mm -hmm. and, and I, my personal opinion is, I think it's gotten to be ridiculous. Yeah, I, I can I, agree. I, I, I can mean, agree. I just think it's gotten out of hand. Um. A lot more drama, but I think a lot of the drama is because anybody can get a platform mm -hmm. on social, social media. media. Anybody can make up something or even bring out something that is true. And sometimes it is for the good. Sometimes it definitely is for sure. the worst. Exactly. I definitely feel like people can be too sensitive to things or triggered a little bit too easy yeah. over just like the littlest things. I feel like people want to be mad and Facebook and Twitter want people to be mad because it keeps them engaged and it of definitely course. keeps them engaged in that social media. Yes. Agree. So I, I absolutely agree with you, and that is kind of got to be has to be kind of sad to see this great 
top top of the set, one of the best clubs, absolutely in Kansas City, and you just got these people sitting there on their phone. It's just gotta be, it's gotta be ridiculous. Uh, it was really funny. Uh, so that's that's one thing that I think has changed. Um, I think another really now this I think is a fundamental problem within. I don't know if we should get into this now or mm-hmm. I guess we might as well. I think can I what I feel is a fundamental problem mm-hmm. in the EDM community today. You have all these little subsets of, of EDM. Yes. Yeah, drum and bass, space bass, deep bass, house bass, 20, 20 different types of bass that I can't tell the difference so, from. So exactly, and here's the other problem. So like one kid's like one kid likes bass music. Another kid likes dubstep, mm. and another kid likes straight house. Mm. But none of them support each other. Yeah, absolutely. So the dubstep kid will go to the dubstep show. The drum and bass kid will go to drum and, and bass, bass show. show. But because there's not a big enough scene for each little genre, it's kind of they're just nitpicking each other off. Right, and. You know, so it's very, it can become very difficult when you're trying to appeal to, and that's something a general we, mass audience. Yes, uh, and that's something we struggle with a mm-hmm. lot. Um, in the day, there was techno music, mm-hmm. and there was fucking top forty. Well, you had country, hip hop, top forty, mm-hmm. which top forty and hip hop kind of blended yeah absolutely and then you had uh yeah tech so that's techno mm-hmm. hip-hop top 40 that's pop, it was pop. yeah I mean, that so it was a very focused centralized you knew exactly what you're hitting yes um and today what you have Kansas City is a huge hip-hop market. Absolutely. Huge. And I'm talking about it doesn't matter the color of your skin. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, there's, whether you're black or white, a huge number of people love hip-hop. Electronic, and so if you do a hip-hop show, you get everyone. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean. Everybody's going to go out to go out and at least check it out because they're going to have friends who are going. So even if they don't like that specific artist, they're going to go out. But. When you get into the electronic music, here's one of the dilemmas, and this is something we're we're struggling with mm-hmm. on how to handle. Some of the electronic music today can be extremely abrasive to someone who does not like that particular yeah, style. I, I could not agree more. There are definitely a lot of gatekeepers. Um, Definitely people who are like, oh, well, you just got into the scene. You're not good enough to listen to this. Well, no, no, that's stuff like hold that. on. Let, let's, that's not mm-hmm. what I mean. I mean the music itself. Mm-hmm. So the, the music itself. Sorry, give me one second. Absolutely. I just got to respond to this text. Okay, so. The dilemma that you have, and I'll use a simple example, mm-hmm. dubstep. Mm-hmm. Dude, you get the wrong dubstep guy in your room. For the 75 people that are in front of him, mm-hmm. they're, they're off the hook, dude. They're going crazy. They love it. But for the mainstream person, 
They have no idea. They walk into that room, and let me tell you what they hear. Computers screeching at them. Fucking A. It, literally, they're like, what the hell? Is this an old AOL modem I'm listening to? Is this like, is this like two robots fucking each other? Because that's what it sounds like. So that's the dilemma you have is, now as an example, house music. Mm-hmm. House is fairly pleasing to the mm. ear, in my opinion. Absolutely. So if someone just walks in the room and they yes, hear house no. music, now they may get bored because mm. it does tend to be repetitive sometimes, mm-hmm. but they're not going to be as surprised or kind of put off by the immediacy of it. Yes. Versus, man, you walk into like when we had Proto-Hype last mm-hmm. weekend, and if you weren't a fan of dubstep, you were like, holy fuck, dude, my ears are bleeding. <laughs> so, so that is a dilemma in a city like Kansas City where if you're in, let's say, L.A., mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Yeah, because so, such a big city, millions of people, you're going to find that crowd. What you just said. Bingo. So for us, it's a tough one. Having to pick and know that exact market of who's going to show up. And Dude, no, there, I completely understand there are, that. Uh, there are shows, as an example, last weekend where we regularly lose mm-hmm. a lot of money. And I imagine you said you're obviously very passionate about EDM. Are there ever times that you kind of want to book somebody, but you're also like, I don't know if this is going to hit the target audience that we need to be hitting? All the time. Like... All the time. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm on a regular basis shitting my pants. <laughs> like going, oh my God, what about, are we going are, are to make money next week? Are we going to lose money mm-hmm. next week? Um, that is a really, uh, uh, I mean, all these people think, oh God, I'm going to own a nightclub and this is going to be fucking great and I'm going to make a fortune. Yeah, fucking yeah, good luck. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. You know, luckily I'm in a position where mm-hmm. I own the property, I don't pay rent. I, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, so... I, I can afford to lose yeah. more money than most people. I know can a lot of places. If they have one bad night, it can absolutely break them. Dude, I mean, it. There's. So the formula for a show is your door mm-hmm. should cover the following. Your door should cover production costs, mm-hmm. meaning a light guy if you have a light technician, mm-hmm. a opening DJ if you have an opening DJ security for the room so normally if you go to encore or wherever you know some other Mm -hmm. what we would call hard ticket sell room Mm -hmm. you know a venue where they're only open Mm -hmm. for shows they get a room fee like when we would rent beaumont club out in the day you know there was a room fee and the room fee would include it it's no different than going down you know uh the security the uh production people Mm -hmm. The acts themselves, and so that's how you have to treat a room. Mm-hmm. Man, there are reg- I mean, it is on the regular. I'll do shows where I think it's going to work, and I'm dipping heavy into my liquor sales just to pay, just out. to balance it out. Yeah, because it because we thought we were going to do 250 people, mm-hmm. and it was 150 100. people. Yeah, you know, and more. The bigger issue, and this happens where. You'll get 100 people in the room that just walked into the room because they wanted something to do that week. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have another 100 people that are there for the artist. Mm-hmm. Well, it's great if it's an artist that has a format that is 
open enough to where anybody, anybody can, can get into it. But when you have a specialty format mm-hmm. and you don't have enough kids show up for that, everyone else about 10 minutes in goes, what the fuck am I listening yeah, to? Yeah, and that's not, they're not going to want to sit and drink. They're not going to want to be a part right. of it. And that absolutely figures into all of that. So it's a tough one, man. I mean, it, it's, I don't have any good answers, by the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's tough. Absolutely. So out of a 64 Crayola crown box, what <laughs> color do you think best represents your energy or aura? Blue. Blue? Baby blue, regular blue, cyan. I kind of like a, a bright blue. Bright blue? A bright blue. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you consider yourself to be a uh, pretty competitive person? And who do you kind of see as your biggest competition? I do consider myself a competitive person. Um, mm-hmm. Probably less so as I've aged. You know, mm-hmm. now I'm just trying to do me. Absolutely. Um, you know, obviously, if we were talking about a competitor, or talking about... I don't think there's a person that I'm competing. No, not a person. A, a venue. A venue. Yeah, I mean, like it would obviously be Mosaic. You know, I mean, they would be our main Absolutely. And they're a incredibly strong competitor. Mm-hmm. I mean, incredibly strong. May, I mean, let's face it. Mm-hmm. They're in power and life. Yeah. You know, so no matter what. They got that built-in audience of people who just know to go to Power and Light right. or just think that's the spot that right. had that built-in marketing too. Obviously, they that's do shows huge. there and then once that shows and they're like, oh, well, where do I go from here? And they just right. walk up there. Right. Absolutely. So obviously, you're a very, very busy person. Say you were given 10 grand to go on vacation. Where would you want to go to? Where do you want to just go and chill out? What, what is your kind of dream vacation? Someplace warm with a beach. Warm with a beach. And Absolutely. And, but there's got to be some cool clubs. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I, my ideal vacation, if there was a little house music venue with a beach, mm-hmm. man, I'd be in there every be night. In there I'd every be chilling, night. listening yeah. to house music and getting all kinds of jacked up. I'd be drinking every <laughs> night. So, I, I mean, if I'm all on vacation. All resort somewhere on a dude, beach. I feel that. Like, we're going, my girlfriend and I are going to EDC. Uh, uh, so, we're going to Orlando, uh, what, next oh, month? Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, if I'm out of town, man, hell yeah, you know, I'll get drunk and have fun and mm-hmm. do all Because it's not my place. It's not your, it's I not can your act job. Like a, you can, yeah, I can act like an idiot then and no one's going <laughs> to care. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Okay, so obviously 20 plus years, 11 years, it's obviously a very long time for anything to kind of stay in business, especially an entertainment Uh venue. What do you guys do to make sure you stay relevant and continue to be one of the biggest nightclubs in Kansas City? I think the biggest thing Mm -hmm. is a philosophy. Mm -hmm. So most guys, when they make some money in the nightclub business... First thing they do is buy a fancy car. <laughs> Second thing they do is buy a lake house. And the third thing they do is buy a speedboat. <laughs> so uh, those things cost a lot of money. Absolutely. Absolutely. I drive a Jeep. Mm-hmm. I've driven the same Jeep for probably five years. And I don't have a lake house and I don't have a boat. Pretty much I put my money back into the club. I mean, there's the gods on the streets. I think that's what keeps us relevant is I put my money back in the club. Back in the club, keep putting your energy back in the club. It sounds like you're very focused on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm super involved on the production side of it. I mean, Mm -hmm. 
I don't think it would be economically feasible mm-hmm. in this market for someone to do what we do mm-hmm. on the production side if you didn't just not care. I, I literally don't care about anything yeah. but the production. That's my life. You know, so for me, I make some financial decisions that are incredibly stupid, I guess mm-hmm. some people would say. You know, like, why did you need to... Alex or Alec Why did you need to put all that money mm-hmm. into this, that, or the other when things were working fine? Well, just because I don't want them to just be fine. Fine, I want them to be better. Just because yeah. they're good now doesn't mean they can't be great right. or fantastic. I, I mean, I want within the confines of those little walls to absolutely give the best visual and auditory experience you can get anywhere. For me, it's when you ask if I'm competitive, it's not about the money. For me, mm-hmm. it's about making the best the experience. Best. I mean, anywhere. I want it to be the best. I want people that came from LA to walk into that place and go, wow. what the hell? And that happens all the mm-hmm. time. All the time. We have DJs all the time that walk in and go, what the fuck is this place? <laughs> and I, mean, I have one final vision that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly if it's going to happen this year, next year, but. I have a vision, and there's going to be something else big that happens to this club before I'm done with it. Uh, and it's a production thing. Okay. So, because I get bored otherwise. Yeah. You're always trying to find something new, something cutting edge. Absolutely. Sounds like, obviously, electrician, you're kind of always on that cutting edge of yeah. technology anyway. Yeah, so, you're absolutely. always trying to see these badass new innovations. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun. So. So obviously over such a long career, there are hard, hardships such as COVID, mm-hmm. economic strifes for the whole country, sure. um, stuff like that. What, if, what do you consider to be some of the biggest challenges you have faced throughout your career? Power and light was a huge one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That was, people talk about, you know, you hear people say dumbass shit like, oh, competition is good. The fuck it is. <laughs> not in my business, it's not. I mean, every time another place opens, it just whittles it down more. And Absolutely. Power and Light put way too many entertainment districts into Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So that was a big one. Um, another huge hit way back in the day that no one thought about was casinos. Casinos took a lot of people out of the business. Absolutely. Um, you know, obviously COVID sucked. Yeah. Um, but we made it through COVID fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the people that there, there were some, you know, the people that were in our business and didn't make it through COVID. Probably frankly, weren't going to make it in the long run anyway. You hit the nail on the head. And, oh, and one of the other things was if you didn't, if you were one of those places that didn't have proper books mm-hmm. and you didn't pay any taxes and you didn't do any of that shit, you weren't eligible for any government money. So these people who were sitting there kind of just doing it one time out of one time kind of cracked them all over the back because they weren't really paying attention, weren't keeping all their shit right. I mean, if you didn't have tax mm-hmm. returns and all that stuff, you weren't, you couldn't get any of the yeah, government money. Yeah, couldn't show you had the employees to get that uh, employee reimbursement or right. whatever it was called. So there were a lot of programs out there and the programs, if you had your... Mm-hmm. Everything caught up, everything... You were, yeah, you correct. were good. I mean, you, it, it allowed you to make it through. Absolutely. So those programs did work. Um, 
and they did allow people to make it through COVID. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you know, it just was kind of the biggest thing was the mental side of it when you're Dude, you're used to doing a kick-ass show every yeah, Saturday. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're sitting yeah. at home with your dog going, man, this What, sucks. what to do? <laughs> right. uh, okay, so would you rather have a pool filled with jello or pudding? Jello. Jello, for sure. I feel pudding. like it'd be fun. You can bounce on it. Yeah, I feel like it would just like be dirty. Pudding, and I feel like, would be like quicksand. Yeah. And the first thing I thought when you said pudding was where you see all those uh, reels on uh, Instagram where the dude has like a fucking warm watermelon with a hole in it and chocolate <laughs> pudding. And you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Stick someone's finger in it with them blindfolded. So that's a, that literally, that's the first thing that came to my mind, which may be <laughs> fucked up. Anyway. So... As a nightclub owner, dash manager, what do you kind of consider your management style to be? I am probably, I'm probably not hard enough, if you want to know the truth. Mm -hmm. I probably should be more of a dick to my employees, <laughs> but... I'm not. I'm, I've gotten soft in my old age. I used to be a prick. Probably too much of a prick. And now <laughs> balance, I'm probably... Balance. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm probably just because, you know, I, I like the people I work with mm -hmm. and for the most part. I, I think I'm fair. I mean, I, I do feel I'm fair and I think that comes with age and experience. Mm -hmm. uh, if there's anything I need to improve on, mm -hmm. it's probably more strict procedures mm -hmm. you know i you know i find myself telling a bartender hey man you need to wipe down your area this looks like shit mm -hmm. you know well if i had a big poster board behind Explain, their bar yeah. that said at 315 don't forget to wipe down yeah. your area so things that i think are intuitively obvious people don't always, always think about think about you know that's the reason that mcdonald's mm -hmm. works is there's an employee manual that's 5,000 yeah, pages it's got long. Everything down to a T. They thought of everything that could possibly happen and then some. Yes, exactly. The aliens so. came down tomorrow. They, they're going they to know what to serve them. Yeah, they're going to know what to serve them. Yeah, they do. And, and so, whereas a lot of it is up in my head, and I <laughs> think it's obvious, my employees don't, don't always think it's obvious. obvious. And I, I probably should be better mm -hmm. about that. Um, so, you know, on things like security stuff, we have that down and that's all written down mm -hmm. because things like that are for liability persons, you have, have to have procedures, have to but insurance. it's the little stuff, yeah. you know, it, it, it's it, one of the biggest things. Like I walk in the room, mm -hmm. a lot of times I'll hang out. I have an apartment above the club and I hang out there until, you know, it's like midnight mm -hmm. and I'll come down and. And I'll walk in, I'm like, holy fuck, the music is too loud. You know, and I'll yell at Sean and uh, say, uh, you know, why the fuck didn't you catch that? And what I think, it, music volume is a really big deal, man. Mm -hmm. 
having that perfect balance is a big deal. And if it's too loud, you hurt people's ears. It'll run people out of the room. It absolutely. It'll just. It'll. It'll absolutely make people leave. Mm -hmm. So I. I definitely can understand that. I can get uh, overwhelmed too much. Too much sensory overload. It definitely can happen. I love music. I. But still, it. It can absolutely can happen. So that's an example of where I. You'll walk. You'll walk into some nightclubs and, dude, I'm listening to their fucking sound system. I'm like, God, this is... Mm-hmm. Now, the difference between our sound system at this point and a lot of other club sound systems, it is impossible mm-hmm. to overdrive my system. I, you can't clip it. It's impossible. You, mm-hmm. you, if you were to clip the system, you couldn't stay in the room. <laughs> that, that's yeah. how much power it has, which makes for amazing sound. Now, our sound is fire, but... Along with that, you know, sometimes I'm I'm constantly having to go to the DJ. Hey, bro, you you know you don't need to fucking yeah. redline the mixer, man. I mean, you know, it, it it's plenty loud. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So, and half these DJs are deaf. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, so what would you do if a headlining DJ didn't show up or wanted to kind of be a prima donna before the show and throw a kind of a hissy fit? We actually had that happen. Yeah. Do you, do you want to talk, tell me? You don't obviously don't have to name names or anything we, like that. We actually had that happen like with that. a DJ. And I, he did throw a hissy fit and wanted to be a jackass. And uh, we just went on without him. You know, he was being a complete prick. And uh, I, literally said, I, I literally said to this guy, I'm like, dude, I've done this forever. Yeah. I, mean, I work with every agency in the mm-hmm. nation. And no one's ever acted like this. Acted like this. You know, so go fuck yourself. Yeah. And we didn't put him on. And and that's how pissed I was. Respect for that. Honestly, it seems like you've been on on this longer than I've even been alive. So for somebody to come in there and act like like a prima donna or act like that. Dude, it started off with the rider. He had this fucked up shit on the rider, man. Uh, Like like some type of drink that we couldn't even find. Like, Uh, you know, some organic kombucha <laughs> flavored with special extract of oh, some pygmy goat, you know, whatever it was, you know, and it just went downhill from there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, finally I was like, and then he started saying, well, I'm not going to play. Okay. Okay. Don't play. Okay. Fuck off. Don't get paid. Don't play. Fuck off. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So would you rather fight a horse sized duck or 20 <laughs> duck sized horses? Definitely the horse-sized duck. Oh, man, that's going to be a battle for the ages. No, that's that, <laughs> absolutely that one. Mm-hmm. Multiple opponents sucks. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. They'll, they'll mob you. I they think will. I don't even know if I can take two geese, honestly. <laughs> okay, so when choosing promoters to work for you, how do you know somebody's going to be a right fit and like a right vibe for Aura? Man, that's really hard. Obviously, it's very important, too, though. Very important and really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, because every promoter has their problems. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, nobody's perfect. Everybody's nobody's got perfect. some issues. Uh, I think above all, for me, um, I have to like someone on a personal level. Mm-hmm. They can't be a douchebag. Yeah. You know, that if they look like that stereotypical... 
nightclub promoter <laughs> and fucking come across as a douchebag. It ain't going to work for me. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that's one reason I really like Alfredo. Mm-hmm. Man, he has his faults, but one thing, he's down a earth, genuine, he's he is a genuine down-to-earth guy who's just a nice guy. Yeah. He's a nice guy. Absolutely. You know, so... He was one of the first people to come on my podcast, and I think it was like my third or fourth episode before anybody really knew me and kind of gave me the benefit of the doubt, and now we are seven months later, and I'm so glad he kind of gave me that chance and that opportunity. He, he's a good dude. Uh, so... I, I think if you were going to ask me the one thing, it, it would be, A, they have to be a nice person. Mm-hmm. I have to be able to get along with them on a personal level. And number two, they obviously have to have some reach. Yeah. You know, if they have no reach. What's the point? Yeah. They What's ain't a the promoter. Point? Yeah. And there's a lot of people in this dude, for real. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in this scene. Who claim to be a promoter. Yeah. But then you'll look at their Instagram and they put up a post and it got three likes. (laughs) I'm like, bro, if your Snapchat ain't blowing up, your Instagram Mm -hmm. ain't blowing up. I realize Facebook for the current generation is not as important as it used to be. But still, if you're putting stuff up and no one's paying attention Mm -hmm. to what you're saying, how can you be a promoter? Yeah, exactly. Doesn't mean you're not a nice person. Doesn't mean you're not consistent. Doesn't anything to do with your work ethic. It just means you don't have, you haven't been out and you haven't been out and met enough people yet. I understand that completely. So over 11 years, you've had a ton of time to perfect Aura's brand and what you guys kind of represent out. But what are kind of some of the things you've tried to experiment with that maybe hasn't gone so well? Definitely trying to figure out the mix of what music works. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest thing. Absolutely. I mean, like, I'll give you a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Last year, I feel like dubstep peaked. Mm-hmm. And COVID then, was over. Everybody was willing to go out and experiment yeah. new things because they wanted to go out. So I finally had the chance. Like last year, I feel house music was kind of down some and dubstep was up some mm-hmm. now i think we're starting to see not that there's not still a big dubstep scene there mm-hmm. it is but i think we're starting to see house music start to come back and i think there's more young people that are starting to get into it so that would be it for me the hardest thing is trying to figure out mm-hmm. which, yeah. which one do people want to hear <laughs> yeah. i mean you know you got the house heads you got the wooks you got all these different <laughs> freaking people that you know each one wants to hear their other their style and mm-hmm. it's really hard to figure out which is the which oh, is yeah which one what bombed i'll tell you something that bombed oh fuck we tried to do a wednesday night all ages show oh. or not all ages but 18, 18 up, up. Show. we tried to do a wednesday night 18 up show with a pretty big dj mm-hmm. Dude, it just didn't work. Mm-mm. Did not work. Lost my ass, dude. So bad. No, but you do gotta try sometimes. You dude, do that was Taco Bell in. for a week. Okay, oh, that was bad. Oh man. Oh <laughs> man. So obviously, running a nightclub is a lot of late nights, early mornings. I'm sure you don't even get out of there sometimes till the sun's already coming up. Sure. How do you maintain a good balance of social, family, work life? Oh, I'm sorry, dude. Balance? <laughs> uh, 
what I do try to do is keep a somewhat consistent schedule. Okay. Um, meaning I try to go to bed roughly 5 to 6 a.m. and get up roughly around noon. Mm-hmm. On a fairly consistent basis. There's times due to other commitments in other parts have of my life. I have to get up a little bit earlier. I have to get up earlier. And that is rough, man. That's really, really hard to do. Absolutely. Okay, so what do you like to do in your free time to kind of de-stress, unwind, take a little bit of break from the club life? Um, probably some of the things are uh, martial arts and... Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and staying in shape, lifting. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm... I used to be a really heavy gym rat. Now I just try no, to no, still consistently that. lift um, because I think that uh, physical health is super important, man. Oh, and, absolutely. I mean, very important. Absolutely. And especially as you get older, mm-hmm. you know, you can do anything when you're your age, man. Yeah. When you're my age, you know, especially when you're trying to maintain, I, I feel like working in the nightclub business, I should have a decent look. I shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, I need to stay in decent shape mm-hmm. and I need to be. Uh, you just never know when shit can happen. And Absolutely. I don't want to have to stand by and pretend like I can't help at all. So I think staying in shape is important. And I think mentally it helps me a lot to be in halfway decent physical shape. So Absolutely. that would be something Absolutely. I do to de-stress and play with my pig. I, I have a pet pig and Ooh. I play with him. Yeah. What's your pet pig's name? Pork chop. Pork. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up, I know, okay? <laughs> And no, I'm never going to slaughter him. He unfortunately is, whether I like it or not, part of my life for like 20 years. (laughs) I didn't know that. You know, I didn't know getting into uh, having this cute little baby pig that he was going to grow to be like the size of a fucking house. (laughs) But he is now and I'm stuck with him. So there we go. (laughs) As it goes. So what does the perfect or ideal club event look like to you and how would that night go? A perfect night is one where everybody in the room is having fun. Having a good time. That's what I strive for. Mm -hmm. I strive for a perfect example would be the sponges. Mm -hmm. We just did the sponges a couple weeks ago. And man, everybody had a great time. Everybody loved what they played. And it was, it was freaking awesome, man. We had it. So that to me. A perfect night is one when I look out over the room. Everybody's got a smile on Everyone their has face. Smile. Everyone's moving to the music. Mm-hmm. That, the one thing that bothers me is when I see only the people on the dance floor music, moving to the music, but everyone else in the room mm-hmm. is just like, oh my God, what am I listening to? So that would be a perfect night. Absolutely. So you've owned clubs before Facebook, during the MySpace era sure. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. How have you seen advertising and promoting evolve over the years? And what did even promoting a show and club look like 20 years ago? Sure. Uh, the pitch. <laughs> Do you guys remember that thing called the pitch it magazine? Took me a second. Yes. Right. So, dude, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. radio and the pitch. You, the first thing you did was you put these ads out in the pitch magazine. And second thing you did was you booked radio advertising. So advertising is completely 100%. And you had flyers. You Mm -hmm. flyered the fuck out of everyone, man. You went and had next day flyers, print you up a bunch of flyers and you went all over the city and you flyered people. So if there's any one major change in our business, it's been advertising. And that's huge, huge. Absolutely. Now, 
It's all social media, it's, buying Facebook ads, buying yep. Snapchat yep. ads, buying yep. Instagram ads. 100%, man. That's where all of it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't, we, we do zero radio. We do zero print advertising, bro. If you're print advertising, (laughs) you know, no one's doing that. And and I, I have a friend of mine that's a club owner that still swears by radio. So some people think radio works and I I think it does. Absolutely. But I feel like with obviously EDM, we don't even have an EDM network out here. So it wouldn't really make sense if you put it on a country station, (laughs) you're going to get for that. And Spotify is truly taken over yeah I'm really that more i mean so many people have spotify mm-hmm. and things like that mm-hmm. or soundcloud yeah so what do you think is the crazy the third craziest thing to happen to you this week shit man this week's been boring <laughs> i it's the third craziest man i haven't had anything crazy happen to me this week at all let me last, think last week I'm, I'm trying to think of anything crazy that's happened lately I mean, crazy in my world is kind of a, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of crazy shit that happens. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, the, probably the craziest thing that happened all week, which this is pretty boring, man, is <laughs> my dog and pig were chasing each other around the yard. <laughs> if you count that as crazy, that's how sad my life is, right? <laughs> My life, my life is boring. So is the pig chasing the dog, or is the dog chasing the pig? They were going. It was back and forth. (laughs) It was like the the pig would chase the dog for a minute, but then the pig is really good in a straight line, and then he runs out of steam. (laughs) The dog would want to play, and the pig was like, "Man, I don't want to play." (laughs) So it was pretty entertaining. Absolutely. Okay. So looking back throughout your entire time doing this, what are some random fun memories that pop in your head? Darude, man. Oh, having Darude, yeah. having Darude play the club was really awesome. Um, having Cheryl Crow play. Oh shit! She played when I owned Beaumont Club, and mm-hmm. that and uh, that was really neat. And another one that really stands out was when Modest Yahoo played the Beaumont Club. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but he's a Jewish rap or he's a Ooh. Jewish reggae guy. Okay, uh, that does. Uh, um, Jewish, he, he's amazing. He's this mm-hmm. Hasidic Jew with the curls and the locks, and I can say things like that because I am Jewish, and he has this insane voice. So those are three events that really, really stood mm-hmm. out. We've had so many amazing DJs that I've, you know, that I've, watched, you know, I'll sit there and listen and go, man, this is beautiful. You know, so I really, when we have one that stands out, that's really cool. So just a chance to experience up close and personal, a lot of these music styles is Absolutely. A, a pretty amazing experience. Absolutely. Okay, so if you were to throw a benefit show for any charitable cause, anything, money could go anywhere, yeah. what, what would you want to... Animals. Animals? Oh, Animals, yeah. 100%. People, I don't know, animals have innocence. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that... Children, of course, have innocence. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I, I'm a huge animal lover. I have... I'm I'm the guy that buys slabs of beef ribs for my dogs, for Christ's sake. So I love animals. And we are actually going to do an animal. We're going to do something for dogs. So we haven't, my girlfriend's kind of in charge of that because Mm -hmm. she's the queen of animals. But uh, uh, definitely, I want to do an animal fundraiser and it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, love it. So how do you define success? (laughs) 
success is about having happiness in your life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think it is about having enough money in the bank to be able to live comfortably. Absolutely. I think it is about being surrounded by people you love. And I think at the end of the day, it's being able to wake up every morning and look forward to what you do. So do I think money is important? Sure, I'd be lying if I didn't. Do I think it's the only thing that defines success? Absolutely not. At the end of the day, success is about being happy with what you do in life. If you can wake up and look forward to what you do, no matter what that career path is, you are successful. Absolutely. I could not have said it better myself. Okay, so we are running a bit on time, so I'd like to first off thank you for coming on. Is there any anybody in particular you would want to give a shout-out to or any shows upcoming that you want to give a shout-out to or anything like that? You know, I... If I said one particular show over another, mm-hmm. someone would get mad at me. So <laughs> you I'm, can no, you can shout out a few so shows. Absolutely, I, I'm, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut the fuck out up <laughs> over that. Uh, but um, I, I just thank I, if there's anyone I want to thank, it's the people that come in and support us, and I really do appreciate that very much. So hell yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I know obviously you're very busy. Sounds like balance does not exist. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, Can City, I would like you to remind you guys, stay stay safe, drink water, be happy, love each other, have a fantastic weekend, and most of all, stay sexy, Kansas City.